The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Welcome to Sports Talk New York right here on 1240 AM WGBB 95.9 FM. The Trezman, Mike Trezor with you for the next hour. Flying solo, and I do mean flying tonight. Brian Graves behind the glass for me. Mike Cadone not in studio tonight. Mike will be back with me in two weeks. But I have to tell you, folks, it is January 15th. 2023 Sunday night, 9 p.m., and I am flying. That is because the New York Giants had their first playoff game in six years. A 31 to 24 victory out in Minnesota over the Vikings. It was an all around terrific performance. A great game plan by head coach Brian Dable. Offensive coordinator Mike Kafka, defensive coordinator Wink Martindale, terrific performance by everybody on offense and by defense. This was the first game in which the defense was completely healthy coming into this game. We got some big pieces back before this game. Uh, Xavier McKinney who had been out for several weeks and was just on his way back, made some big plays down the stretch of this game. Julian Love, who's been solid all year. Dexter Lawrence up on the defensive line had some tremendous contributions. Thibodeau kicked in. All the guys on defense. Daniel Jones, terrific performance. We'll talk about it in just a few minutes. And the Giants now head to Philadelphia next week to take on the Eagles. And I will tell you, folks, you cannot knock this smile off my face. It's going to be there all week long. When you're like me, a longtime Giants fanatic, you long for these games. You know, it's been a great year for the Giants. We got the impression early in the season that they were going to make the playoffs. The question was going to be, were they going to do anything in the playoffs? I think they got a favorable matchup going into today's game with the Vikings, a team they had seen just three or four weeks ago. I think, as I said, Dable and his staff made some adjustments from that game to this one that really helped the Giants over the top, specifically they ran Daniel Jones much more in this game. The offense was very, very balanced. They didn't use a lot of trickery, but they did use offensive plays that were innovative. For people like me, this is something we've been complaining about for a long time. The giant offense being vanilla, being predictable, being boring, being bland. And today it was innovative. It's been innovative for most of the year, but today... I thought it was just the right balance between run and pass. They used Saquon Barkley very, very well in this game. As I mentioned, they used Daniel Jones's legs great in this game. And um, they came away with a 31-24 victory. Some really, really anxious moments down the stretch. They gave the ball back to the Vikings with just over, I believe it was three minutes left in this game. 
and the Vikings had a chance at the end, a really short tackle by McKinney uh, on a play on the sideline, helped the Giants seal the deal, and the Giants go on to a 31 to 24 victory. So we want your phone calls tonight, folks. 516-623-1240. That is the phone number to get on the line of scrimmage and run the go pattern with me tonight. And I'm going to take all your phone calls on Giants and everything else. Some great games around the NFL on this super wild card weekend. Some really, really wild games, including last night's game, uh, Jacksonville and the Chargers, we're going to get into that game a little bit later on. Today's Buffalo game was pretty wild, too. We'll get into that with Chris Caputo in just a few minutes. But I want to spend a lot of time tonight on the Giants because, as I said, amazing victory. Uh, this was a, This was a team that coming into this game, we thought, that the Giants could handle. What was making me a little bit nervous the week leading up to this one was that everybody was picking the Giants. And that was get, that was getting me a little bit panicky. I said, listen, if you're a Giants fan, okay, you're picking the Giants. But the rest of you folks, we don't want you. Get off our bandwagon. We don't want you picking the Giants. Pick the Vikings and send some luck our way. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to be joined right now by a guy who I'm sure is as excited about this victory as I am, and that is my Giants reporter. We call him Upper Deck, Declan Krogman. Deck, what's up? Travis, how we doing, man? Feels good to be here. It's great to have you, and it's great to be talking with you about a Giant playoff victory. What were your takeaways, Deck, from this win over the Vikings? Absolutely huge win, of course. None other than Daniel Jones put the team on his back. A historic performance. First quarterback, first player in NFL history to have 300 passing yards, two-plus touchdowns, and 70-plus rushing yards in a playoff game. Uh, what really stuck out to me was Saquon, two touchdowns, but only nine carries. Daniel Jones, 17 carries, 379 total yards, as I mentioned, just you know, an absolutely clean football game on both sides of the ball. And how important do you think game planning was, Deck, uh, seeing the fact that we just, as I mentioned in the opening, just saw the Vikings three, four weeks ago, and we were able to make some adjustments very, very short term, especially in our offensive game plan with Dable and with Kafka? Absolutely. Last time three weeks ago on Christmas Eve when the Giants and Vikings played, Credit to the Vikings. You know, despite being the 31 ranked, 31st ranked defense in the league, they made Daniel Jones a pocket passer. He was really honed in, um, completely in the pocket, did a good job throwing from the pocket. However, he was completely running today, not only able to throw from the pocket, but able, able to make all the throws on the field and running gritty on both sides of the ball, frankly. Uh, the Giants were able to defend and make adjustments after giving up a combined 25 touchdowns. TJ, uh, 25 receptions, excuse me, to TJ Hawkinson and Justin Jefferson last week, and now holding Justin Jefferson to seven receptions, 47 yards, and six and a half yards a catch, which was unbelievable for the best receiver in football. Yeah, to that point, I thought they made a really, really good point. It was Burkhardt and 
uh, Olsen on the call, and they showed how uh, the game plan was defensively. Martindale's game plan was to bracket Jefferson on just about every play, whether it was side-to-side or front-to-back. The Giants did that, and it really, really helped them out that all the guys in the defensive backfield were available and were healthy and played really well today. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point, Trez, you know, very important that the secondary was healthy. No Dory Jackson last time. He was excited, wanted to play a big role in stopping Justin Jefferson, and he did just that. And Xavier McKinney was just getting back to full strength three weeks ago, uh, and he's a completely different player, and it showed today. Those two guys, outside of Jalen Smith, had the most impact on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, Jalen Smith, I, I I thought he had a really, really terrific game. Uh, to your point, I'm like, wow, where did this guy come from? Uh, so the Vikings come out, nice, efficient drive, go up uh, 7 nothing, and then we come back, answer right away, which I thought was big. That 28-yard touchdown by Barkley, he got a good block from Hodgins on the outside, a terrific block by Andrew Thomas, the pro bowler, and Feliciano, the center, got over there and gave him a nice block, goes in for 28 on that play. Yeah, absolutely. Saquon was fantastic. Um, even quietly, like I said, under 10 carries, but still, a more dominant performance, of course, than Dalvin Cook on the other side of the ball, who went 15, uh, 15 yards for, uh, 15 carries for 60 yards and no touchdowns. The Giants did a great job stopping the run. But even while throwing 35 times, just having that run there, it was surprising to see the Giants, frankly, put so much of a honus on Daniel Jones in the passing game. I thought they would rely a lot more on Saquon Barkley. But that just goes to show you that they have a lot of confidence in the guy that they're planning to pay. And it was on display today. The second touchdown to Hodgins, who again, I can't say this often enough, Hodgins has been a great find for the Giants. They picked him up in the middle of the season off the scrap heap. The second TD goes to him, puts the Giants up 14-7. to At this point, Deck, Jones is 5 for 5 for an even 100 yards. Yeah, I mean, early on in the game we saw Daniel Jones and Kirk Cousins having a uh, perfect off, really. Just no incompletions. Kirk Cousins starting off 9 for 9. Daniel Jones, as you mentioned, started off 5 for 5, got up to 7 for 7, and then threw his first incompletion. Um, but really what sticks out to me, you mentioned a guy like Hodgins really coming out of nowhere in this playoff game, having his 8 receptions for 105 and a touchdown. Uh, but the Giants, with 14, 4 and 13 last season, signed a total of two free agents to multi-year deals. One of them was a backup quarterback, that of course being Tyrod Taylor. And their highest-paid offensive player had six catches all season. You know, shout-out to Field Yates. How about, uh, you know, now they're just completely headed to the divisional round. Uh, flip, the sc- flip the script 100%. Uh, it's a great day for Giants fans and football fans in New York. The only thing that kind of ticked me off in the first half was that play. I believe it was just before the half. The Giants are down on the goal line, set to go up 21-7. to You have that illegal motion with two guys moving with Bellinger, and they have to settle for a field goal to make it 17-7. I really want to go up 21-7 at that point in time. But you know what? Bellinger, I'll give him the credit. He didn't put his head down. He came back, scored a TD later on in the game. And for me, that made up for that error right before halftime. Absolutely. Bellinger was just a fraction of a second early. Uh, and that's one of those plays, of course, that's unfortunate because while he was the lead blocker there and he was anxious to get out and make that play for DJ, uh, really 
not much of an impact on the overall play itself. Should have been a touchdown for Daniel Jones, but, you know, the game evens itself out because on fourth and one, that false start for the Vikings really changes the course of the game because they have to punt there on fourth and six. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, so Bellinger scores the TD, loves interception, gets called back, and on the last play of the third, you've got the Hawkinson catch on fourth down. Um, as you mentioned, with 13 minutes left, a fourth and one, Vikings false start, and they have to settle for a field goal that makes it 24 to 24 at that point. Right, and really just, it, it's almost like three weeks ago, Giants fans on Christmas Eve got a nice glimpse into what they were seeing, starting this thing off at 24-24, uh, and that is the score that you're, you're coming back to, um, when the Giants are looking to go up after being down 20, after losing 27-24 a couple weeks ago. So poetic justice in that sense, but really nice to see the Giants dominate Minnesota on both sides of the ball yet again. Uh, out, uh, outpassing them, outrushing them, um, and really just killing them on not only third down, but fourth down efficiency as well. Overall, just a clean game on both sides of the ball. And of course, being a Giants fan, you can't avoid uh, getting a little larger in these spots. So late in the game, you have the big drop by Darius Slayton. And, and ah, Deck, it really killed me. I got to tell you, I thought... Um, all the giant receivers right up until that point was so spot on. I mean, Richie James, Hodgins, we mentioned, and even Slayton, all of them doing a really terrific job. Then with three minutes left in the game, <laughs> Slayton drops that pass wide open, which would have ended the game. Right on top of that, you get the penalty call, the big penalty call, which quite honestly, I thought was absolutely ridiculous on Dexter Lawrence. Yeah, absolutely horrible call, not much there. But really, just listen, a game that the Giants, despite it being tied the whole time, should have definitely been more in control while they remained in control down the stretch, not having to trail and, and definitely keeping the ball in their hands and making their own decisions. You know, the Giants really... What happened? Did we lose your deck? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, that's better. Go ahead. Apologies, Trez. I lost you. I was done anyway. Uh, so you said the Giants really, and that was the last thing I heard. Right. I was saying the Giants really did a great job neutralizing the big threats of Hawkinson and Jefferson, especially on that last drive holding Hawkinson, like you said, not only bracketing Jefferson in, but bracketing Hawkinson so that he had no room to get away on fourth and eight. Yeah, and I thought that I thought the Giants did a great job shutting down the run game of Minnesota. While you mentioned that Barkley was quietly efficient uh, for us in terms of number of carries versus production, uh, I didn't think Cook was especially uh, efficient for them. So uh, they had to rely on Cousins for much of this game. And, um, you know, all in all, I thought it was a really, really well-played game. I thought it was a well-coached game. You really couldn't uh, point to many mistakes by either coaching staff that were glaring. Uh, couldn't really point to many big mistakes by any players that were really, really glaring. It was well-officiated. And I really did like the thing, Declan. I meant to ask you about this. The thing with expedited review. I said to myself, where has this thing been? That you don't have to go to a challenge. You, they can just quickly expedite the review process on the field, 
do an overturn of a call on the field where necessary and keep the game flowing smoothly. Yeah, absolutely. I would say we saved about a combined 10 minutes of NFL free commercial time there. I'm surprised <laughs> that they put this in play. Um, but you know what? It's absolutely smart. They saved about three or four calls on the field that were pretty glaring, like you said. Uh, and it definitely felt like a smoother game. So I agree, Chad. Absolutely a great addition by the NFL. All right, so let's get into it now. Uh, Philly, listen, no secret, they came to our building midway through the season, gave a pretty good beatdown to us, and then obviously I'm going to throw that last game of the regular season out the window. That game meant nothing to us. Despite that, I thought we did an okay job hanging in there with Philly. But the big question, the $64,000 question to you now becomes, can the Giants travel down the turnpike next weekend and stay with Philly, the top dogs in this NFC? It's going to be a, it's going to be a hard task, of course, going into the, face the number one seed Philly, of course, a team that beat the Giants twice. It was encouraging, however, to see the Giants' third stringers play the Eagles, to, uh, play the Eagles to a one possession game. The one little anecdote I'll give about Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles is that before that week 18 game when he quite frankly looked shaky along with the rest of the offense against the Giants' backups, uh, he had missed two games prior to that. So it's been a long time since the Philadelphia Eagles' offense has been at full go, full strength, feeling really comfortable. And the Giants, of course, We've seen it in years past. I'm not going to reference any of the prior runs with the great defenses, great pass rushers, I should say, and, of course, Eli Manning and Tom Coughlin. So let's go around the NFC, Deck. We had a game on Saturday. That was the early game. I didn't get to see much of this game, so I'm going to lean on you a little bit. I know uh, the Niners jumped out to an early lead. Seattle came back with 17 straight in the second quarter to look like they were going to make a game of it before San Francisco started pulling away in that game. Brock Purdy, the hero of the day for the 49ers. Right, yeah, all 49ers in the second half. Like you said, the Seahawks played them to a 17-16 game going into halftime. Um, but Brock Purdy was able to rely on the elite supporting cast around him. Christian McCaffrey rushing for 119 yards on only 15 carries. Debo Samuel adding some touches out of the backfield as well and adding six receptions for 133 and a touchdown himself. Uh, a lot of weapons and a solid defense. Credit to the Seahawks for playing them tight in the first half, but just two teams in different classes, and that was on display. Yeah, Geno Smith, actually a good game, 25 for 35, 253, had a couple TDs, had a pick, uh, has some, obviously, as we know, monster weapons, DK Metcalf, 10 receptions, 136, a pair of TDs. Listen, I think Geno Smith is a great story. I really do. You know, um, here's a guy... Um, sort of discarded early by the Jets who are still looking for a quarterback and bounced around the league, paid his dues, backed up where he could, and finally found the right spot. I thought Pete Carroll and his staff did a terrific job with Geno, and he has nothing to be ashamed of. I think he's got that team going in the right direction. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. Big fan of Geno, what he's been able to do this year, breaking Russell Wilson's single-season record in his first year as a starter. And as you mentioned, Trez, bounced around the league with Eli Manning's backup, Philip Rivers' backup, and of course for three years preceding him getting the starting role this year was Russell Wilson's backup. So that's three Hall of Fame level talents 
that he was able to sit behind for the last five years. You know, that's he's very far removed from the quarterback that he was with the Jets, not exactly uh, learning from Mark Sanchez and Rex Ryan. <laughs> Uh, so let's go back to San Francisco for a second. Can they make a run and get themselves to uh, the Super Bowl this year with Brock Purdy at quarterback? You know, we see these stories every year, it seems like, Deck, of some guy that nobody ever heard of that comes out of nowhere and takes the reins and, and makes a run with his team. Can the Niners do that with Purdy? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said earlier, the NFC is wide open and the Niners are a real threat. Overall, that talent, that roster is just missing a quarterback. Pound for pound on both sides of the ball, that unit is by far the talent, the most talented roster, not just the NFC, but all of football. While they may not be the best team when you stack them up against the three powerhouses in the AFC, the 49ers can certainly get through the NFC. The big issue is really just like you said, Brock Purdy. Can he not, can he manage to not make enough mistakes? and just keep playing his brand of football, game managing, relying on his Maserati of an offense around him to really benefit, to really take this team to the Super Bowl, it is a legit possibility when you look around, look at the teams that they're going to have to go through. I know this is a giant day, but we haven't had you on in a little while, so I wanted to get to a couple quickies on the Yanks with you, a little hot stove we'll sprinkle in. So first of all, right. all, we got great news today. Frankie Montas is going to miss the first couple months of the season, but let's uh, let's be serious for a couple minutes. Uh, Roldan, obviously, great acquisition. Um, still looking for a left fielder. What are your thoughts about where they go for a left fielder in this off season? Well, the Yankees' main target for the outfield was Brian Reynolds. Right now, the Pirates are still asking for a Juan Soto level package. Um, and sources say it's going to take Anthony Volpe and Jason Dominguez to get the deal done. So huge asking price for a team that offered him a five-year, $75 million contract extension, which obviously he turned down. But the 27-year-old outfielder put up impressive ranks the last two years, and the Pirates are really using the market to uh, to make him their trip, and rightfully so. Well, now that we but, talked about what we can do to get guys in here, let's talk about what we can do to get some guys out of here. What can we do to get Josh Donaldson off this team, please? Well, as you mentioned earlier, that's the real $64,000 question. I believe that's like a $20 million question in cap hit. Um, but him and Aaron Hicks, right, the classic w, oh. you know, WFAN Yankee fan, oh. uh, is, is, is absolutely despising both of them, believe me. If it was that easy to trade... Either of the two, they would have been long gone already. But managing that seven, seven year, seven, seventy million dollar contract that Brian Cashman gave out to Hicks in 2018 is nothing short of easy. Uh, just like it was nothing short of questionable when they inked that deal in present time. Do you want to see one of the kids take over at shortstop? Uh, Peraza or, or, um, Cabrera or maybe even, Vol uh, Volpe this year? And if so, how do we get rid of IKF? Well, you don't have to get rid of IKF because, you know, at the end of the day, on a playoff team, he's a, he's a pretty solid bench bat, and he's got versatility. Not only can he play the infield, he can catch as well. So IKF is a chip that you're going to want to keep around. I know it was a tough, rough first year, but he's a guy that, listen, he can play good defense. Yes, he was a butcher last year. Let's give him a year two. Hopefully he's not going to be the premier shortstop by April. I'm a big, big fan of – putting Peraza out there uh, and potentially sprinkling Volpe in 
calling him up if he's not traded um, by May or June. Obviously, one strength that we had in the middle of last year turned into weakness late in the season and down this and into the postseason, and that was the bullpen deck. What can we do to fortify this bullpen? Are there any names floating out there that you've heard that are possible targets for the Yanks this offseason? Um, so right now, the Yankees aren't actively they. The intent, while they want to add a bullpen arm, right now the market has not been hot. A lefty name that I love is Matt Moore. He's a guy that, you know, failed starter for the Rays and Giants, found his way in the bullpen, kind of similar to how Oliver Perez did years ago, except the days of the Lukies are over. He can give you two solid innings out the pen uh, and some really good stuff for a lefty-lefty matchup in Yankee Stadium. So he's a guy I believe the Yankees should definitely target. Let's go back to the Giants for just a couple minutes, finish up. I thought Thibodeau had some good plays. Um, I thought he was getting held a lot. I was trying to zero in on him. And, of course, as I mentioned, Dexter Lawrence is always a monster on that defensive line. Julian Love, a nice game. Adoree Jackson played well. Uh, Xavier McKinney came up with the big play at the end. Who do you think were the defensive stars today? Yeah, the three defensive stars that stuck out to me uh, was one, Jalen Smith with six tackles, um, was at an absolute great force on not only stopping the run, but even in pass coverage, he was great over the middle. Uh, loved Jalen Smith today. And the two guys in the secondary that really kept Justin Jefferson. And despite T.J. Hawkinson having ten receptions, you know, played a big factor in making sure that they – that the Vikings were not able to use their two core weapons to beat the Giants on defense, and that was Xavier McKinney and Adoree Jackson. They were big-time missed. McKinney wasn't at full strength. Granted, he was on the field uh, when the Giants played them on Christmas Eve. Adoree Jackson was missed when Justin Jefferson went wild over them. The key to that game was stopping the run and stopping Justin Jefferson. It was it came down to the wire, but the Giants were able to do that, and they were able to win. So those three guys really stuck out on the defensive side of the ball for me. Did Ojolari get hurt today? I thought I saw him going off, and I thought I remembered them mentioning that he got shaken up and might not return. Yeah, Ojolari, we have a positive report on him. It's his thigh. He's going to go for tests tomorrow. The Giants don't believe there's any structural damage. They're optimistic that he can play next week. That's great. Declan, terrific job. You are the man, and I will talk to you soon. Mike and I will be back in two weeks, and we hope to pop you up then, all right? Thanks, Trez. Keep it up. All right. Have a great night. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Chris Caputo. We'll hear what he has to say right after this on WGBB Sports Talk New York. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. 
You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Sports Talk New York right here on WGBB 1240 AM, 516-623-1240. We're going to open up the phone lines in just a few minutes. As I mentioned, not only a great day for the Giants, but a great weekend around the NFL. So many great wild card weekend games, including games in the AFC, uh, to break down some of those with us right now let's bring in the man we call cap chris caputo chris what's happening bud are you still on cloud nine yes yes i don't know how much of the bills game you got to see i don't know how much of the giants game you got to see but let's start with the giants how much did you get to see and what were your takeaways i got to see a pretty good amount of it and um you know, obviously some positives for the team being able to overcome being on the road, hitting some spots in the road that you think maybe they might hiccup. And um, I just thought the composure was there. Um, I, honestly, you see that, uh, you know, them going for it and, and not just running the ball with about four minutes to go. And the composure of, of the quarterback just, not throw the ball away and take a sack so that they would use their last timeout, and then throwing the ball over the middle. Now, that catch could have sealed the game, but at most it would have made them, you know, at least use some time up. And basically the coach going over to his player and saying, don't worry about it, and the defense just finding a way to pull it out as opposed to, hey, here we go again, and, and the, you know, roughing the quarterback that maybe wasn't roughing the quarterback. You thought things might not go their way, and I'll tell you, Trevor, that's just just grit. And finding a way to beat a Minnesota team that had, you know, basically won almost every one of their one-score games. Yeah, you know, it was funny coming into this game. I thought that, hey, listen, you got to give them credit for that—that that they know how to win the, the close ones. You got to put that on the coaching staff, on the team player leadership. Um, but listen, you have to couple that with luck and wonder when is that luck going to come out, uh, going to run out and and some of those come out the other way. So, um, yeah, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a great win by the Giants. You know, it's funny, Chris, uh, so many people for the last two, even going back three years ago, have been dumping on Daniel Jones. Uh, this kid is a career back. I, I, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that and now all of a sudden everyone in New York is in love with Daniel Jones. You know, I, I saw this potential from him, um, really, Soon into his giant tenure, I saw the athleticism there. I knew there were some things he had to clean up, but uh, you've seen now what great coaching can do, and you've seen how it can take a kid that's a middle-of-the-pack quarter, a starting quarterback and make him into what possibly could be a top-10, top-7 quarterback in this league. Yeah, and let's see where it goes. I think the big thing for him is, being able to use that running ability, you know, 78 yards rushing and, um, you know, just, I'm not saying he's going to run the ball like Josh Allen does two to three times per, um, you know, 75 yards down the field, but to be able to have those legs and be able to use it definitely helps. And I think his percentage of throwing the ball 15, 20 yards down the field into somebody's hands has gotten so much better. And obviously the biggest thing is the turnovers, you know, keeping the turnovers low 
has given the Giants a chance to win every game, and I think you should be excited when you're going into Philadelphia and basically you played with backups last week and you know you got some some positives out of that. You got a shot next week. You know, I I want to get into the Bills with you, Chris, because I know you follow them closely. Up seventeen nothing today. I was sure that the Miami Dolphins, a warm weather team, playing in Buffalo in the a game in the twenties with a third string quarterback, we're going to fold up the little tent, throw it in the back of the SUV, get on I ninety five and head south. You know, and I got to give them a ton of credit. They came back. They gave the Bills all they wanted in that game. Agreed, and I think Buffalo kind of handed some of the game back to Miami at times with fumbles and uh, two interceptions by by Josh Allen. Um, I mean, you look at the numbers, and playing with a third-string quarterback, he didn't play that well, but he kept his composure, and he was only 18 for 45 with 220 yards. Um, but he also threw two interceptions. But that Miami defense just basically said, we're, we're going to bend, but we're not going to give. And um, it did definitely keep him in the game. And I think that um, you have to give him credit. But you got to also remember, Miami did play well against Buffalo in the other two games, and part of those games were played with a backup quarterback. So um, Miami hasn't been horrible. I just think they weren't going to be able to score as much, and, and they did find a way. Yeah, that was crazy, that game. That really was. I, I, I give Mike McDaniel a ton of credit. Skylar Thompson, like you said, he didn't play great. He did enough to keep them in, but that Miami defense, they forced uh, Buffalo into... I agree with you. A lot of just just missed, just missed on that yeah. touchdown. It got called back. Just missed on that play. It, it the guy ended up dropping it. It got reviewed. It got you know. So, um, but as that game went on, you saw the Bills getting really, really tight. I said, boy, oh boy, if they ever lose this lead this late in this game, this is going to be a stunner. Yep, it, it definitely would have uh, hurt people who thinking. Hey, this is the best team in the AFC, going to possibly, you know, make this big run. Um, definitely would have been tough. And they gave up seven sacks. I mean, Miami's defense isn't that good. But to allow yourself to get sacked seven times, I believe Buffalo fumbled the ball about four times. Maybe only one was recovered by Miami. But to throw two interceptions, fumble the ball four times, allow your quarterback to get sacked seven times, that's a problem there. And Miami really, they had a lot uh, of Offensive problems, too. They were playing with a backup running back, I believe a third-string guard, uh, another guy who had four injuries that he was trying to mask. And, um, you know, it's tough. But when it all comes down to it, Josh Allen is going to, you know, his big targets, which were Stephon Diggs and Davis, both, you know, made six and seven catches for 114 and 113 yards. And that's what's going to win them the game. And I know you don't want to look forward too much, but um, – you know, there's a good chance they're going to play uh, Cincinnati. Um, if not, they'll play Jacksonville in the next game. Um, but you know, Cincinnati is trailing right now, ten nine at the half. You mentioned you mentioned the Jaguars. I don't know how much you stayed up for the end of that game. You know, there was it was that old struggle between the angel and the devil on, on uh, each of your shoulders. There was one thing telling me, "Hey, you're tired. Shut this off. Go to bed." And there was something that kept on pulling me back in. Jaguars down twenty-seven, nothing late in the second quarter of that game. End up winning thirty-one to thirty. Uh, amazing, amazing game. How much of it did you see, and what was your reaction, Chris? You know, I turned some of it off, and then I kind of see what, like, 
what's going on, and I kind of I was like, I got to get back and figure out what's going on. So um, twenty-seven nothing. I I did see the uh, the touchdown before halftime by your old friend Evan Engram, um, <laughs> who's all of a sudden you know Tony Gonzalez. I mean, I don't know where his. Uh, his newfound resurgence came from, but he stunk when he was on the Giants. I couldn't wait to get rid of him. Yeah, absolutely. And you know they're they're down twenty seven nothing at, and Trevor Lawrence throws four picks in the first quarter. I know. Um, I mean, you're basically sitting there going, "They're done. Um, this has never been done before." And I think they got a little momentum going into the half. And then, kind of at the end of the third quarter, it's like touchdown. Only give up a field goal, another touchdown. And then, you know, just watching the coach out there, too. Um, yeah, they went for two at the end of the third quarter, down by ten, trying to cut it to eight points and don't get it. But then I'll tell you this, Trez, I'm watching the end of the game. Trevor Lawrence throws a touchdown, cuts it to 30-26. It's 5-25 to go. You're down 30-26. What's the right play there? The extra point. Yeah, he goes for two. Well, that was that was right after the Bosa personal foul penalty uh took them from the two to the one and he said the hell with it i'm just going to go for two here he runs the quarterback sneak he makes it 30 to 28 i said i said the same as you i said oh my god what is he doing this guy is an imbecile and he comes off looking like a genius he goes down by two and shuts them down comes down and ends up looking like an absolute genius and i gotta tell you uh brandon staley he got I, – I don't love Peterson, but Peterson coached circles around Staley in that case. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, just think about um, – you could take, uh, sorry, the old Saints coach and, and put him in the Chargers job uh, t- t- tomorrow. I think Sean Payton will be the next coach in, in Los Angeles um, because that was an absolute collapse. Yeah, um, and, and you, you know what made it worse, Chris, is that San Diego – after that big lead, couldn't run the ball. And you have uh, Justin Herbert, who's short on receivers because Brandon Staley let Mike Williams get hurt in the season finale, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous, almost coaching malpractice. I mean, he should absolutely. be fired just for that. And that's yeah. why they let Jacksonville back in that game. And they had the late game. They already knew their fate. There was no need for him to play in that game. I mean, there's a lot of things wrong with the NFL. The, the calls um, that went in the one game to kind of allow the Seahawks into the playoffs, if you go back and look at that, that's bad. And then you still had teams going out there playing hard, but that coach, absolutely, um, job security is an issue. Um, the other thing is I thought that, you know, I was watching early on waiting for uh, Travis had to eat to end to, to run the ball out wide. But once you turn the ball over so much and you're down 27 nothing, you got to go back to the air. But he did play a big role down the stretch and made some nice plays, caught the ball, brought it all the way, I believe, to like the 10-yard line to set up um, that last field goal. And um, think about it this way. I mean, this team, I believe, has now won eight games in a row. Um, you talked to Declan a little bit about can a team like this make a run? Um Sorry, that was their sixth consecutive game and fifth fifth at home. And all five have come from behind fashion. So um, this is a team that I think is dangerous. You know, you, they could go in there and be down 15 and not be out of the game. And mainly that's because Trevor Lawrence is a good quarterback. Uh, the coach 
is not afraid to throw the ball. And you can, you know, run the ball as well at times. You got a pretty good kicker who has, you know, won some games down the stretch. So I think that the Jaguars are a pretty uh, dangerous team no matter where they wind up next week. And Peterson, you know, listen, I'll give him one more piece of credit. I don't know if you noticed the play late in the game. He had the quarterback sneak lined up, and instead they yeah. hand off to ETN. He sneaks around the right side, picks up about 10. And it was good night. We're going to kick this field goal and we're going to send, we're going to send you home, Chargers. So, uh, as I said, he, he absolutely coached circles around, uh, around Staley in that game. He had three running backs in the backfield. Three running backs. Yeah. When crazy. was the last time you seen that? And yeah, it's been a while. Uh, it kicked it out wide. Um, but I think that's kind of what his, his motive is, is kind of, you know, we're going to win this game now and who cares what happens. Absolutely. So, Chris, what's the update on Cincinnati and Baltimore, and who is a quarterback for Baltimore? Uh, Baltimore was going with the uh, the second string quarterback. They just started the third quarter, and they're up ten nine. Um, so, they're, you know what it is with the Ravens? Um, they will sit there and say to you, "We'll allow you to beat us from your end zone all the way to like the twenty, and then all of a sudden they." Their defensive coordinator puts the clamps on. So Burrow is 14 for 19 with one touchdown, but they can't score a touchdown. Everything is a, is a, is a field goal. So, um, they did get a touchdown. They missed an extra point and Justin Tucker made a field goal right before the half. So the Ravens are up, uh, 10-9 with Tyler Huntley as their quarterback. Wow. All right. Thank you, Chris. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks, man. Okay, appreciate it. I know we don't really need much Mets talk, but my one cent on uh, Carlos Correa is just let him go. Yeah, I mean at this point, you just got uh, too many issues, and I think for the Mets they just need to to move forward with what they have, and if they can get themselves, you know, one more piece, so be it. But that was a big saga that we could have talked about every week for about the last month. I know, but you know the problem with that was that uh, we weren't on for the last month, and the other problem with that was. <laughs> You know, the longer that thing went on, the more and more convinced uh, I became, and I'm sure you did too, that Correa was never going to play for the Mets. No, I think, um, you know, they probably used the same doctor that the Giants did, so they knew that um, he was got some some damage in the long run. And um, the Twins don't care. They knew he was on their team last year, and they put some, some stuff in there that says, hey, we can get out after six, we can get out after seven years. But um, I think Steve Cohen is a good money man. You know, he didn't make billions and billions of dollars just by throwing it out there, and I think he wanted to make a wise investment. He would make an investment, but he wanted to make a wise one. So uh, just a interesting turn of events there. Appreciate it, Cap. Talk to you soon. All right, let's go Giants. Thanks, man. 516-623-1240, folks, it's time to hear from you. Did you watch today's Giant game? What did you think about it? What was your reaction? Did you expect Big Blue to win this game? Do you think they have a chance in Philly? What type of chance do you think they have? But I got to tell you, it has been a crazy weekend of football. You still have tonight's game to go, and you still have a game tomorrow night. You still have uh, the Cowboys traveling down to Tampa to take on Tom Brady and the Bucks. And uh, I think that one is going to be very, very interesting. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll tell you, 
It is really a lot to ask me, a Giant fan, to root for the Cowboys, but I am so sick of Brady that I do not even want to see him again. I hope the Cowboys go down to Tampa, put a good whooping on Tom Brady, and um, and we'll see what happens with that. But let's go to the phones and welcome in a caller. Let's go to Joe from Belmore. Joe, what's up? Hey, Trez. Uh talking about next week if the Giants are going to win I think they're going to have to uh, rely on Barkley more to run the ball and uh, play kind of like Bill Parcells type smash football against this Philadelphia defense yeah the problem with that though Joe is this is that Barkley's not that really kind of smash mouth guy I mean you know he can take you on but he's not that huge back like a Derrick Henry who's just going to pound you down and wear you down and get 30 carries uh, I thought Declan uh, my Giants reporter made a good point when he talked about the balance run to pass uh, the balance in the running game from Barkley to other running backs as well as to Jones and um Barkley was kind of quietly efficient. Now, nine carries, I agree with you, Joe, is kind of low. Um, I'd like to see him get maybe 15 or so, but um, I like the um, the game plan offensively the way it was today. I thought it was a good balance between run and pass. I thought um, they got everybody involved. Uh, they got all the receivers involved. They got Bellinger involved. They threw to Barkley. They uh, ran the ball with Barkley. So I agree with you, and I also disagree with you. Let me ask I, you, Joe, what kind of chance do you give the Giants down in Philly? Uh, well, if it becomes a shootout, I don't think the Giants are going to win. That's why I think they should give it to Barkley more, which will open up the passing game when needed. And this the Philly defense is much better than Minnesota. And that's why I don't think they're going to pass as well as they did this week. All right. Listen, Joe, thanks a lot for calling in, man. I really appreciate it. You got it, Trez. I will talk to you soon. Okie doke. Bye. 516-623-1240. Got time for a few more phone calls, folks. Give me a buzz tonight, and we will stay on the football for a few minutes. Uh, Chris and I were talking about that game, the Jaguars game. Boy, I'll tell you, I'll bet you a lot of people shut that game off and went to bed last night, as I mentioned. Jags down 27 nothing late in the second. They come back to win it, 31-30. to Trevor Lawrence, four picks in the first half, and three of those were to Asante Samuel. So you thought he was dead, and I... Again, I don't like this guy. I didn't like him when he was with Philly. I didn't like what he did with the Giants, but I got to give Doug Peterson a ton of credit. An experienced coach like that, he kept the the team focused, and he came back and won that game. But let's go to a guy on the phone right now that I know is thrilled as I am about this giant win, and that is our buddy Frank down in Howard Beach, Franco Botts. How you doing, Mike? Hey, How you doing? welcome to the show. Thanks for calling. No problem. Thanks for having me on. It's, uh, by the way, great, great job tonight as always, Mike. It's great to talk uh, New York sports, especially after a game like today. Yeah. So, what were your big takeaways from this game? Any, um, what did you think? Uh, first of all, the game plan and the way that the uh, players were able to execute the game plan for the Giants, Frank. Yeah, I thought I, I thought offensively the game plan um, was very good. You know, I think uh, Kafka was was very uh, consistent with his game plan. 
Um, and, it, and sometimes, though, I thought maybe Daniel Jones is running a bit too much and taking too many hits. You know, I, I don't like to see the quarterback, you know, get hit like that. Uh, but they saw something in Minnesota's defense. I mean, there were a lot of open lanes, you know, on the rollouts, even up the middle, so they, they took advantage of that. I think he got 70, 74 over 78 yards, you know, in, in the first half alone. And I think that set things up for the second half because it looked like Minnesota was finally key on Jones and that opened up the passing game. And I know Barkley, I think, ran the ball maybe nine times, but I think it opened up some other things, you know, in the second half. Um, defensively, again, I, I saw the graphic on the screen, you know, just keeping Jefferson underneath, let him catch the ball, no yards there for the catch, and they contained him. Um, the tie didn't kill them, though. That, that, was it Hawkinson? Hawkinson, yeah, yeah ten catches. Yeah. Catches, yeah, and he was wide open a lot. So that's something that they need to clean up against Philly. But like I said, they executed very well. And, uh, again, I thought the game, the game, you know, played out well. It was a great game. And, um, I'm still exhausted. Yeah. You know, it's funny because, um, you know, I referenced earlier, uh, the real, real slapping around Philly gave us in our stadium earlier in the season. Do you think, Frank, that the Giants are the same team now that they were the first time we played Philly? Absolutely not. No. No, I mean, Philly, you know, Philly t- took it to us. They scored early. They scored often, and they took the Giants out of the game. But, you know, I think, um, again, we see the maturation of Jones. And I heard you comment before. I was one of the Jones non-believers. <laughs> okay, I was one of them. Um, but, again, you see the maturation. You see the confidence. You see the coaching, how they coach them up. And, you know, the big question with Jones was, you know, can he show up for, for a big game? You know, he showed up against Washington and played great. The clinching game against the Colts for the playoffs, and even today, everybody had their doubts about his first playoff game. So, yes, the team is different, and the quarterback, which is huge, is much, much different. Yeah, you know, it's funny, and it's not just, it's not just Jones. You see the difference in young quarterbacks when they have guys running the show for them that know what they're doing versus guys that don't know what they're doing. And for the last mm-hmm. three years, this guy, this kid has had guys running the show that didn't know what they were doing. You look at Geno Smith. Uh, I referenced him earlier. A guy who's been around 10 years now, Frank. And look at the difference mm-hmm. Pete Carroll has made with him. Look at the difference that Peterson has made with Trevor Lawrence as opposed to a bum like Urban Meyer. <laughs> right. Yeah, in the NFL, coaching is huge, Mike. Absolutely. Absolutely. Frank, thanks so much for calling. Um, gr- thanks, uh, great Mike. to talk to you. And uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks, all right? All right. I'll be here, too. Keep up the good work. Good job. Let's go, Giants. Go, baby. All right, folks, got time for a couple more calls. Give me a buzz, 516-623-1240. Let me know what you thought of the Giant game today, any of the football games we saw this weekend, or even if you want to talk about tomorrow night's uh, big Monday night first playoff game on a Monday night. And I'm looking forward to that one. The Cowboys travel down to Tampa to take on Tom Terrific, and I'll tell you, Boy, I, I am tired of Brady. I really, really am. Uh, Giants, as we mentioned a couple times, travel to Philly next week. Hurts has been hurt. I don't know how effective he's going to be. Um, Philly is obviously not the same team that they were earlier in, this, in the season. Uh, Giants are clearly not the same team they were earlier in the season. So we'll see what happens in that game. Um what else is happening in New York sports? 
We've got some hockey happening. Uh, Rangers have been on a good, uh, good streak lately. Islanders have been kind of you know, chugging along, up and down. Uh, Nets have been rising toward the top of the Eastern Conference. We'll take a look right now. Uh, Rangers at 55 points, second in the Metro Division. Islanders at 49. Uh, fourth place in the Metro Division. In terms of the NBA locals, Nets right now, 27 and 14, lost today. And in second place in the East, Knicks, 25 and 19. In sixth place, so, you know, Micah Doan and I could have what we've been looking for for the last couple seasons, and that is a Knicks-Nets matchup in the first round. But give me a call, folks, 516-623-1240. Just about five minutes of show time left. And, um, yeah, I want to get back to that Jags-Chargers game because that thing was amazing. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, 28 for 47, 288. Four touchdowns, and Travis Etienne was like an ATM. He was money last night. 20 carries for 109 yards. Peterson, as I talked to Chris about, goes for two after the Bosa penalty. And Bosa, by the way, what a jerk. You know, Bosa acted like a complete jerk last night, and he cost his team. Now, you can say, well, it was only a point, but he got a personal foul earlier in the game. Um, he forced the decision by Peterson to go for two right there to make it instead of 30 to 27, 30 to 28. And Peterson knew right what he was doing. And this, folks, um, Brandon Staley playing Mike Williams in week 18 in a meaningless game was exactly why I did not want Barkley or Jones playing in the Giants season finale. Listen, if you win your division and you know you have that number one seed locked up and you have that week off, if a guy gets banged up, you've got two weeks to get him healthy before you need to get to play again. But if you're a wild card, and especially a wild card team who's locked into their playoff seeding, and you play your guys on week 18 in a game that is completely meaningless for you, you are an idiot. And Brandon Staley, I'm sorry, I know he's a young kid, I don't mean to beat on him, I don't want to see anybody lose his job, but honestly, he deserves to lose his job for that reason alone. He could not stave off the Jaguars in the second half of that game because he had no receivers, and he couldn't run the ball. It was absolutely ridiculous. So let's go back to the phones. We will take a call. We got Doug calling from California. Doug, how are you? I am the biggest German fan that you have ever met. This team is a better team than the Eli Manning team, and I'll tell you why. I coached the New York Giants through Jim Fossil. I hung out with everybody, just start naming people. They were better players, but they were not a better team because Dayball has taken control. Had Coach Coughlin given Eli, Eli Manning and his team proper plays, they would have gone so much farther, and you know I'm telling the truth. Many of their games that they lost, 
or by one or two points. And the reason is penalties. They would give the good plays to the wrong people or the wrong people to the good plays. This team here has not been doing that. Even think about the game last week against Philadelphia. They had our third and fourth string. Had they put Taylor in there, they would have probably won that game. And if you watch the replays, minus the stupid bungle of the missed uh, field goal, that they, that should have never happened. You don't put a tight end two or three feet back, have him come out slow, and then the holder threw slow. They, they, they're just been, they just were slow. This team today, they got all their starters back. This team is going to beat Philadelphia. They're going to go on, and they're going to possibly beat. They have a good chance of beating the 49ers because of their defense. They've got they've got some plays they haven't even tried. Wow, they that's did a, it about they that's did a bold statement, Doug. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, hey, listen, well, there's no way you can be as big a Giant fan as I am for as long as I am and not believe in this coaching staff. I agree with everything you're saying uh, in terms of um, the innovation of the uh, coaching staff. I thought they called a great game today. I thought they were terrific. Doug, I'm up against the end of the show. I appreciate I you calling me. Keep on listening. Keep on calling. Call anytime. And I I really do appreciate your input. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. All right, folks. So that's going to do it for me tonight here at Sports Talk New York. The Trez Man, Mike Trez, are with you. Mike Gadone back with me in two weeks. I want to thank Chris Caputo for coming on with me. Thank you, Declan Krogman, for coming on with me. Thank you to all our callers. Brian Graves behind the glass. Another terrific job out of him. I will see you in two weeks right here on Sports Talk New York. expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.